good to see so many of you that I haven't seen in, in quite some time, uh, and I've seen uh, several new faces tonight, so it's great to see you. Welcome. Uh, if you don't know me or if you forgot my name, I'm Nathan. I'm the youth pastor here, and so I just want to welcome you and say I'm glad here. Uh, we are in the middle, or I shouldn't say the middle. Tonight is the last night of the series that we've been in for the last five weeks, and it's called Lost in the Garden, and we've been taking a look at the seven deadly sins that are given to us in the Bible. A good way, as we've talked about, of thinking of these deadly sins are almost as categories of sins. And so we've been talking about how each of these types of sins impact, influence our lives, how they cause harm to us, and then how we can overcome them. And I, I happened upon this video today on Instagram, and I just thought it was too good uh, not to share. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Hopefully you got a little amusement out of it, but I thought for the amount of amusement that they put into it, uh, it was really accurate. And so tonight we are going to wrap up this series. As, as we've gone through this series, we've talked about pride, and we talked about how pride is kind of the foundation of all sin. And then we talked about self-indulgence or laziness and gluttony, underindulging or overindulging. And we talked about something I know all of us struggle with, and that is anger and keeping on, holding on to anger or hatred towards someone else. And last week, I know we talked about all of your favorite topics. We talked about lust. And so if you weren't here last week, I'm sure you're just so upset that you missed last week. But we talked about lust, and we talked about how dangerous lust is. In fact, we used the image of a gun. We, we used the picture of a gun to talk about how lust is something that could be good when it's in the right hands, but can be deadly and destructive when it's in the wrong hands. And so tonight, we're going to wrap it up on a much lighter note, uh, but also something that I think we all struggle with. And if you were paying attention to that video, he said it right there at the end. Tonight, we are talking about the last two deadly sins. So we're going to cover two of them tonight, but we're going to sum them up in one. Tonight, we are talking about the deadly sins of jealousy and greed. Jealousy and greed. And hey, I just want to throw this out here. If you're on your phones, do me a favor. If it's not the Bible app, just go ahead and put it on the table. Uh, don't distract yourself. Give me a couple minutes, just a couple minutes of your time, and then you'll, you'll be on your way. Just hone in here for a few minutes because I want you to hear this. Because if you neglect this, if you just let it go in one ear and out the other, you're going to walk out of here in danger of harming yourself, in danger of not living and the, the type of life that God wants you to enjoy and have. So summed up tonight, jealousy and greed, we're going to talk about what it means uh, to have selfish desire in our life. So we're going to play a little game. I'm going to tell you this right now. You have big chance to win big money, okay? Seriously. And so here's what it is. I'm going to call on a volunteer and, and the way this will work is you're not going to come up. If you're the first volunteer and you get the question right, you get what's under the first cup. Okay? If you're the second volunteer and you get the question right, you get what's under the second cup. 
And we're going to start out with just the first two, but we will have a third person later, and you will get what's under the third cup. All right, so I want all hands down. The first question is, I want you to name the first deadly sin that we talked about in this. Yes, pride. Okay, so here's what grace wins. Grace wins this money right here. All right, 120, 220s, 320s, 420s. Five twenties. What's that equal? A hundred dollars. So I'm gonna keep this up here, and this is gonna sit right here. All right. So the next person, if you can tell me what the second set of deadly sins were, we talked about two, but we summed them up in one. What was it? Say it loud. No. Huh? Okay. Gluttony was one. And what was the other one that went with it? Gluttony was overindulgence. What was the underindulgence called? Got to have both a win. Yes. Gluttony and laziness. All right, so Aiden, maybe a slightly harder question. She wins $10. Just $10. Yeah, I know. She's like, come on. Where's, where's the $200 at? $10. All right, so... So if I'm Aiden right now, what am I feeling? I'm feeling, man, I wish I had the $100. I wish I had the $100. And Grace is probably like, man, I'm glad I answered first. Because because I answered first, I didn't get $10. I got 10 times that. I got $100. And so this type of thing rules our lives. Where we see what others have and we wish that we had it. We're not always content with just the $10. When we see that someone before us got $100, we're wishing that we had that. We're wishing that we could have more. And so tonight, as I said, we're talking about jealousy and greed. And maybe a simple question that we may not know the answer to is, what are those? What is jealousy? So I'm going to tell you what these are, and they're going to be up on the screen for you. Jealousy is a feeling of discontentment caused by someone else's possessions, success, qualities, or whatever else it is. It's a feeling of discontentment based on what someone else has. I want us to read, if you have your Bible, flip to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot of wisdom when it comes to jealousy, when it comes to greed. So we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 27, verse Here's what it says. A stone is, or excuse me, anger is cruel and wrath is flood. But jealousy, jealousy is even more dangerous. So Solomon here, King Solomon who wrote Proverbs says, look, anger, yeah, that's pretty bad. It's cruel. Wrath, yeah, that's really bad. But jealousy, jealousy is far Worse, it's more dangerous than any, any type of anger, any type of hatred or wrath that you could have in your life. So what is greed? Greed is simply excessive desire. Greed is excessive desire. And we, we see that Proverbs talks about this, chapter 22, verse 9. Here's what it says. Blessed are those who are generous. Blessed are those who who are generous, the complete opposite of someone who is greedy. If you're generous, you're not seeking 
to gain for yourself. You're seeking to give. But someone who is greedy is looking at how can I gain for myself? Summed up, we see that jealousy and greed really fuel each other. It's like a never-ending cycle. When I'm greedy, I want what others have. I'm jealous of what they have, and I want that. I desire that. And jealousy fuels that greed. When I'm jealous, I want. And when I want, I'm jealous. They work hand in hand. And so tonight we are talking about the idea of selfish desire in our life. And we can sum up selfish desire by saying it is wanting more because of what others have. Selfish desire is wanting more because of what others have. So tonight as we talk about this idea of selfish desire and how it influences our life and why it's a problem and how we can stop it, how we can put an end to it in our life, we're going to talk about three things, three things. We're going to talk about how selfish desire presents itself. We're going to talk about who selfish desire resents. And we're going to talk about where selfish desire relents. You may not know what relent is, but it was the only thing that I could get that kind of rhymed with this. But relent means to end. So where does selfish desire end? If you have your Bible or you want to follow along on the screen, we're going to be in uh, the Gospel of Matthew tonight. We've been camping out in Matthew this whole series. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to start out verse 1. We're going to go through verse 12. So follow along on the screen with me if you have your Bible. Follow along with me as well. Here's what it says. Here's what Jesus is saying, the words of Jesus. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard, and at noon, again and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one has hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in the vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they, too, were paid a day's wage. When they received pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. So here Jesus is uh, speaking to the people gathered around them, and he's giving them a really interesting story. He's speaking a parable here, which is just an elaborate story that he uses to get across a point. It's a story with a deeper meaning. And essentially what Jesus is saying here is that there was a guy who owned a vineyard, right, where they grow grapes to make wine. And he goes out and he hires these people early in the morning and says, hey, I need some work. Go work for me. I'll pay you 
what is right at the end of the day? I'll pay you a day's wage when you're done working. So the guy's going working again at 9 o'clock, and again at 3 o'clock, he goes and he sees more people that need work, and so he sends them out into the field and says, hey, I will pay you according to what is right. And then at 5 o'clock, towards the end of the day, he sees some more people, and he says, hey, you know, why aren't you working? They say, well, no one's hired us. He goes, okay, well, I'll hire you. So go work, and I'll pay you when you're done. And so naturally, as you can see, all these people, all these guys that are working, are working different amounts of hours. Some are working more, some are working less. And so naturally they assume when they're brought in to be paid that they're going to be paid accordingly. Almost like if you were paid $8 an hour, if you work one hour, you'll get $8. Someone who works eight hours is going to get $64. But that's not what happens. Jesus says when they come to get paid, they all get paid a full day's wage. And the people who started working in the morning got upset. And they start saying, this isn't fair. Why do they get that? And why do we get this? I worked more. I've been through more. Why do I not get more? And they became jealous. Because frankly, if I were those guys, I would have been sitting there going, geez, if I knew that I was going to get a full day's worth of pay for working one hour, I think I would have done that. I think I would have waited till 5 o'clock instead of going to work early in the morning. And these guys feel like that, they haven't been treated fairly. That God, uh, that the, the guy has somehow just gypped them. And they become jealous. They become greedy. They wish that they had more than what they had. So here we, we ask ourselves the question, how does selfish desire present itself? How does it present itself in our life? Here's the answer. Selfish desire presents itself through comparison. Selfish desire presents itself through comparison. You see, the problem may not be so much what I have. The problem wasn't so much what each worker was paid. It, the problem isn't so much what Palmer may have instead of what I have. The problem for the workers became what they had in light of what the other people had. If they had no basis of comparison, they would, have, they would have never questioned it. If they would have all been paid separately, no one would have ever questioned it. But the moment that they all came together and could see and compare what each other had, jealousy came in. And too often, that is what it is like in our life. When we see just what we have, we're okay. And we know other people have other things. But the moment that we start to compare what we have versus what others have, we become jealous. We become greedy. Selfish desire takes root in our lives and takes over in our lives. You know, we look at what we have compared uh, to what others have, and we just want more. And, and there's a problem here. There's a big problem. Because selfish desire causes us to think that people are the problem. Selfish desire causes us to think that people are the problem. When we desire what other people have, naturally there's something called envy that takes hold of our life. 
envy takes hold of our life. And all of a sudden, we don't necessarily like that person. We don't necessarily like the person who's more popular than us. When we feel like that we are lower than them, all of a sudden we have envy. When we desire what others have, and we are not content with what we have, we think that people are the problem. You know, I can think back to my own friend group uh, in college. And, and, and there were several friends who you could tell were just more liked than other people. And all of a sudden, I found myself, I had to check myself because all of a sudden, like, I, I've kind of had this resentment or this envy towards them because I wanted what they had. It caused me to think that people were the problem. But honestly, if we look at it enough, over time, we, we, we realize that people are not the problem. People are never the problem there. People can't help what life they are born into. People can't help who likes them or how many people like them. People can't help that. People can't help that the house that they live in, who their parents are. They, they can't help that. People are not the problem. And so all of a sudden, when we realize that people are not the problem, the blame starts to shift. When all of a sudden we realize we can't blame people for the jealousy and the envy and the greed and our discontentment, the blame shifts. And we're going to see who that blame shifts to. Let's continue reading in Matthew chapter 20, verse 13, reading through 15. Here's what it says. Jesus continues. He goes, Jesus answered one of them, Friend, I haven't been unfaithful. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money. Oh, I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So here we ask ourselves a second question. Selfish desire presents itself through comparison. The blame shifts away from people. So who do we resent? Who does selfish desire resent? And it's a simple answer. Selfish desire resents God. Selfish desire resents God. And you may have seen, you may see this in your own life after I explain this some more. Because what it does is it causes the question of, God, why do I have what I have, and why do they have what they have? We look at what we have versus others, and we ask, God, why can't I have what they have? And, and some of you, if we're just being honest, we compare our family lives. We compare popularity we compare material possessions. You know, for me, uh, a question that I asked uh, in college was, God, why were my parents the ones to get divorced? Why did my parents have to be the ones to get divorced? Why couldn't it be someone else's? Why couldn't I have had the parents that stayed together? It would have made Christmas a whole lot easier. 
would have made, would have made the holidays so much easier. Would have made going home on the holidays so much easier. Why couldn't it have been someone else? Why did it have to be me? And too often I think we ask ourselves, God, why me and why not someone else? Why can't I have more? And we, we sit here and we ask God, you're in control, aren't you? You're in control. So God, if you're in control, why can't you just make it happen? Why can't you just give me more? Why can't you just give me this idea in my head of what a perfect life is and just give it to me? If you're in control, why can't you make it happen? You see, what we realize is that you don't have a problem with people. You don't have a problem with people in your life. You have a problem with God. You have a problem with God. We are not content with what God has given us. And so we resent God. We get mad at God. We blame God. See, it's really easy to look at what others have compared to what we have, desire what they have, and then resent God because you don't have what they do. It's really easy to do that. It is really easy to compare, desire, and resent. Because that's what it leads to. Jealousy and greed lead us to desire, or excuse me, compare, desire, and then resent. And we resent God. You know, it, it's a whole lot harder for us to look at what we have and to be content with it, even when other people have more, and to be thankful for those things. You know, we, we talked about and, and used this example here of the $100 and the $10. And so here, I'm just going to ask you for a, a third volunteer. We'll, we'll go with Charlie. Who does, God, who, who does selfish desire resent? God. You get two starbursts, but not any starbursts. You get the orange and the yellow ones, the worst of the worst. And so now here's what I'm going to argue just took place. Grace is still content with her $100. Grace is still content with her $100. Aiden now is content with her $10 because at least it's more than two starbursts. But here's what I'm going to do. Charlie? I'm going to give you these two starbursts, and I'm going to take the $100 and $10, and it's mine now. No one gets it. Grace doesn't get the $100. Aiden doesn't get the $10. And so now, here's what just took place. Charlie may have looked at the starburst and gone, man, it's not even money. But the moment the other things are removed, he becomes thankful for what he has. It's a lot harder for us to look at maybe what little we have and be thankful for it when other people have more than what we have. But the, it, it's so important for us to, to be content, to move from this position of discontentment in our life to become thankful for what God has given us. 
it is so much more important. And I think we need to understand, if you haven't been listening at all, I want you to just pay attention right now. Let me tell you something. It could be a whole lot worse. It could be a whole lot worse. You know, our, uh, we were supposed to take a team last spring break to Costa Rica. And then COVID happened, and we pushed it off to the summer, and COVID was still around, so we haven't gone yet. But uh, uh, many years ago, I went to Costa Rica. By all means, borderline third world, second world country. Many people don't have running water, don't have electricity, have to fight to get food, live in mud huts, literally, if that. Some of them just live under a tarp, and that's it. Trash in the streets. You see water running down the side of the road, and you're told don't step in it because that's sewage water, meaning that's what people are using the restroom in. And that's what's running through your streets. And make it worse is I start feeling guilty because I've got shoes on. I've got shoes on my feet. They don't. And so often we look at what we have in America, and we're wishing we had more. And I wish I could just play the line in that video We said, be content with what you have because what you have is what someone else wants. Be content with what you have. Even if it's not as much as what others have, be content with it because there are people all across this world. There are people outside of Destin, Florida. There are people in Destin, Florida who would love to have what you have. You know, today I I noticed that There's someone sleeping behind the movie theater in a tent. How many of you are going home to a tent tonight? I'm going to argue none of you. I guarantee you, the person living in a tent would love to have your house. Would love to have your bed. I didn't look inside the tent, but I would be willing to bet there's not an air mattress in there. They're probably sleeping on the ground. And so what you have, no matter how little or how small you think it is, someone else wants that. Someone else wants it. It could be a whole lot worse. But instead of being content, we're jealous, we're greedy, we're selfish, we desire more, and we resent God. Here's what we have to do. We have to realize that God loves you. Understand, God loves you and he will provide for you. He will provide for you. But here's what selfish desire does. Okay, pay attention to this. Here's exactly what selfish desire does in your life. Selfish desire makes you believe that God robs you of what you want. Selfish desire makes you believe that God robs you of what you want instead of giving you what you need. That's what it makes you believe. Is that God robs you. That God is this God who has just taken away your desires from you and won't give you what you want. And all of you know this feeling. When someone won't give you what you want, 
and you really want it, you're not happy with them. You become upset with them, mad at them. But here's the truth. I want you to catch this. If you catch nothing else, it's this. That God gave everything to give us what we need, not what we want. God gave everything to give us what we need, not what we want. Not what you want, but what you need. He gave everything to the point that he gave his son. Do you understand that? That the whole reason that God sent Jesus to earth was to die. Literally. Jesus' whole purpose of coming to earth was to die. For you. For me. Why? So that God could have the ability to have a relationship with us. So that Jesus could take our sin and provide a way for us to be in relationship with God. He made a way. He gave everything for you to have what you need. And so what are the things that we need? Let's talk about this for a minute. Because I don't think we fully understand, I don't think all of us fully understand what it is that we truly need. There are essentially four basic necessities to life. Sometimes people throw a fifth one in there. I think it's really just four basics. Food, water, air, and shelter. Food, water, air, and shelter. Anything, listen to this, anything beyond a basic, a basic necessity, like basic food, basic amount of water, a basic house, and just simply having the air to breathe, anything beyond that is called a blessing. It's called a blessing. Any elaborate form of those needs or anything that goes beyond the need is called a blessing. And here's the thing about blessings. They belong to God. Blessings belong to God. They are his to give. Not yours to take. They are his to give. Now they are yours to receive when he gives them. Now I was talking to our, our confirmation students uh, a couple weeks ago, and I, we were talking about communion. And we were talking why, uh, frankly, in my opinion, it's very important for you when you take communion to come with your arm, your, your hands out like this. And the times that I've served communion, I've watched people come up and take communion like this. And personally, I just I, I feel strongly against that. Here's why. When you go like this, you come to receive. When you come like this, you come to take. And what God gives us is not for us to take. You think of taking, you walk up to a shelf, it's just yours to choose, and you go pick what you want. That's not how God's blessings work. When you receive something, when you receive something at Christmas, you get what you're given. Your parents, uh, unless your parents are just way different than mine, 
are way different than most people's. They don't just take you in the store and say, okay, go, go take what you want, and that will be your Christmas gift. They may ask, hey, what do you want? What do you want? But I can remember times, many years, where I didn't always get everything that I wanted. Some of the times I did. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing with blessings is God wants to know what you want. God wants to know the, the desires of your heart. But just because you desire it doesn't mean God's going to give it to you. He may give you some of the things that you want. But he's probably not going to give you all of the things that you want. And here's the thing that I can remember. And my mom could correct me on this. My dad could correct me on this if I'm completely wrong. I can remember many times where they gave me something and I wanted more. And they just said, be content with what you've got. Be content with what you've got or I'll take it all away. I'll take it all away. You know, I, I think that we need to become people who are content with what we've got. We need to be people who are content with what God has given us and stop asking him for more and more and more. Understand that you are blessed. We are blessed. You live in one of the arguably the best cities in the world. It is a blessing. People pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go to the beaches that you can go to for free. I understand that. Every time that you go to the beach, people spend thousands of dollars a day just to go to that beach. Think about that. Between the condos and the gas to get down here and the food for them to eat, because we all know the restaurants aren't cheap, condos aren't cheap, it's ridiculous. So every time you step on a beach, you're saving thousands of dollars. That's a blessing, if I've ever seen one. So we need to become people who are thankful and stop resenting God. And so we, we, we understand that selfish desire presents itself in our lives through comparison. It leads us to resent God. So now we need to ask, where does selfish desire relent? Where does it end? Where does selfish desire end? And there's a simple solution to it. Selfish desire ends with celebration. Selfish desire ends with celebration. If you have your Bible, flip over to uh, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Chapter 5, verse 18. 18. Here's what it says. This is, it says, be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ. Be thankful in everything. Not some things. Not when things are good. This includes when you think things are bad. Be thankful. Because it could be worse. Be thankful because God is still providing for your needs. It may not be everything that you ever dreamed it would be. And frankly, your life may be hard. But it could be worse. And God is getting you through each day. God is giving you the basic necessities that you need to get through each day. And so be thankful for that. 
Be thankful. You see, selfish desire ends when we give thanks to God for what we do have instead of complaining about what we don't have. Let me say that again. Selfish desire ends when we give thanks to God for what we do have instead of complaining about what we don't have. If you're always focusing on the things that you do not have, you're going to be jealous and you're going to be greedy and you're going to resent God because you don't think that he's giving you what you want. But if you will shift your perspective, see so many things, so, so many things deal with our perspective, how we're looking at things, especially when it comes to our view of God. If you will shift your perspective away from thinking what you don't have, the life that you don't have that you wish you had, and you'll focus on how God has blessed you, how God does provide for you, and be thankful for what you do have, man, that'll change your life. You see, selfish desire also ends when we start seeing everyone as made in the image of God. Selfish desire ends when we start seeing everyone is made in the image of God, including yourself. Including yourself. Now here's the deal with this. So when we understand that everyone is made in the image of God, and that we are all God's children, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, understand that God is going to bless the person sitting next to you. Understand that. God is going to bless other people. God does not just bless you. God is not just in the business of blessing you. He's going to bless other people. And what he decides to bless them is up to him and between him and that person. If God doesn't decide to bless you with a Lamborghini, you know what? Tough. He's going to bless you with something else. What God blesses other people with is between them and God, not between you, them, and God. You have no, no part in that conversation. No part. And what God blesses you with is only between you and God. It's not about, no one else has a say in that or has any part in that. So be thankful with what God blesses you with because a blessing is a blessing. No matter how big or how small it is. Instead of being selfish or greedy, why don't when you see the, so one of your friends get blessed, why don't you celebrate with them? Say, man, I'm so happy for you. The way that God is blessing you, I'm so happy for that. I'm so happy that God is blessing you. Because when you celebrate what God is doing in someone else's life, you're not going to envy what God is doing in someone else's life. And if you'll celebrate what is going on in your life, you won't desire more. Finally, it ends with this. Selfish desire ends when you realize that God loves you and God is jealous of you. God is jealous of you. In Exodus 34, 14, God says that he is a jealous God. You might be like, whoa, uh, are we talking about jealousy as being a deadly sin? Yeah, we are. In fact, this is the only time in, in Scripture that jealousy is used in a positive way. 
What it means is that God so desires, he desires so much to have your love, your affection, and your attention that he's willing to do whatever it takes to have it. In fact, he already did. And he knows that you're going to choose the world over him sometimes. He knows that you're going to be selfish and greedy and jealous of what he does for other people. He knows you're not always going to be content, but he still says, I want you. I want you. I gave my son, my son's life, because I want you. Even though I know you're going to mess up and you're not always going to show me the same love and affection, I still want you. And when you give your attention to other things, spend your time in ways that don't honor me, and you don't show me that same love and affection in return, man, I'm jealous of that. I'm jealous of your, your attention because I want it. God so desires your attention that he sent his son. He sent his son for that. And when we realize that God loves us, and he really desires to have our full attention, to fully be in a relationship with us, man, that, that makes it not so hard to realize that God will provide for us. And it makes it not so hard to realize that God gives us everything that we need. And it doesn't make it so hard to be thankful for what God has done in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for the time that we have to spend together tonight. And Lord, I know that um, many of us may ask the question of why God? And we may not be focused 100% on what it is that you have given us. And then a lot, a lot of times we aren't content. We become upset with you. And so God, personally, I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I haven't always been content with the way that you have worked in my life. Lord, for 24 years, you have been faithful to provide for me. Not always in the way that I want, but always in the way that I need. And Lord, I know that I'm not alone in this room. I know that many of us struggle with not being content. We're angry with you. So, Lord, I pray that you just help focus our perspectives. Help us to realize what you really have done for us. Help us to be content. Help us to celebrate. Help us to celebrate the ways that you're working, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us.
Lord, it's truly amazing to know the lengths that you went to just to have a relationship with us. When you knew, God, that we were going to turn our backs to you, when we turn our backs to you all the time, when we choose the world over you, Lord, you still say, I want them. Why? I don't know. But you do. Lord, help us to see that that's the greatest blessing that we could ever have in our life. Help us to just simply be content with that. Lord, I thank you for the love that you have for us. I thank you for the love that you have for these students. Lord, I know some of the students here, they don't know your love. I realize that. And I know some of the students here resent you. And they're mad at you. They blame you for a lot of the things that have happened in their life. They don't know your love. They don't know your grace. They don't know your mercy. I know some, some of us here, we have no desire to follow you and be in relationship with you. So Lord, my prayer tonight is that you, you would just speak life to these students, Lord, that you would just reveal your love to these students. Lord, I know when I was their age, Lord, I didn't get it. I didn't want to follow you. I had no desire, but Lord, you met me where I was at. You overwhelmed me with your love, and you made it so obvious to me. So Lord, I just ask that you would do it again. But this time, do it for these students. Do it for the students here that don't know your love. Lord, tonight as, as we continue in worship, continue into small groups, Lord, I pray that you just crack open our minds and our hearts, Lord, just, just to receive your love, to receive your spirit. Lord, speak to us. Reveal your goodness to us. all these things in your name. Amen. Hey everyone, this is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you and thank you for listening.